Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sustainable Finance Podcast, where you can expand your sustainable and ESG opportunities with insights from leaders in the field. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for these weekly conversations about developments in this fast-growing industry. Today's program is about marketing your sustainable investing practice. I've been in this field for many years, and I know the challenges asset managers and financial advisors face when they start integrating ESG strategies. For example, many advisors struggle with the vocabulary in presenting these strategies. And how do you incorporate ESG into your existing marketing plan? Do you need an entirely new plan? And here's a big challenge. I know a lot of asset managers and financial advisors who aren't using the full power of social media effectively. Here are a couple of statistics that show why they should be focusing more attention on this area of their marketing. 54% of social media users use it to research products and services. And 71% are more likely to purchase products and services based on social media referrals. And then there's a new SEC rule that brings down many of the guardrails on digital media and openings more opportunities for finance professionals to use their powerful digital tools to differentiate themselves as a valued partner whose personal values and financial goals are aligned with those of their clients. My guest today is an expert in using digital media as a marketing and branding tool in in financial services. Evan Zoll is the owner and president of Longview Strategies, a strategic marketing firm specializing in sustainable finance and ESG investment integration. Welcome to the program, Evan. Hey, thanks very much, Paul. Glad glad to be here. Good. So, Evan, we've known each other for several years, and you were recently a guest speaker for the ESG Practice Playbook course that I co-taught on the RIA channel in March. And I have to say there were more than 2,000 advisors who attended, and your session on marketing strategies was widely praised. So, Evan, let's start with this new SEC rule. What do advisors and asset managers need to know? Well, really, Paul, they need to know that there's a a whole new world opening up to them. And uh, just before we get into that, I I wanted to say that, uh, you know, you mentioned that we met a couple of years ago and and it's worth just taking a beat and saying it's been a a wild ride since then. It's not a lot of time, but just so much has happened in this space, in the sustainable investing space. And there's a lot more to do, but there's just a, there's a ton of momentum all around. And we're just seeing um, a lot of professionals in, in the, in the space in financial services in general, and in all areas of financial services in, in not just the investment manager space and the wealth manager space, but also in private equity and in, in real estate and uh, in really all phases of the game, starting to embrace ESG and figure out how do we tell the story? Um, so this is all part of that, that larger conversation. And it's exciting to me uh, how far we've come. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. So in, in terms of the SEC rule and the advertising rule, uh, it's it's actually great from our perspective. It might be a little daunting for um, advisors and, and for the financial community because it's a big change. 
But uh, in early May, the SEC updated their marketing rule. It's rule 2064-1. If anybody wants to look it up, uh, they may already be familiar with it. We don't need to read the rule here, but uh, it it officially took effect uh, early May, and it's going to have a, a really tremendous impact on marketing in this space. Um, the root of it is almost comical if it weren't so frustrating. Uh, I mean, the original rule about advertising was introduced in the early 1960s and remained pretty much unchanged since then. And I mean, you think about that, that's uh, you know 50 to 60 years uh, and we could have a lot of fun listing off all the things that have changed in that time about marketing, but it's easiest to say that digital media didn't exist. Um, so certainly the rules were due for a change. Okay. And um, so we'll, now, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go. I'm sorry. More details. No, please. no, no, no details. Yeah. So now it's all, it's updated for the times it's consolidated. It gives a lot more latitude um, in terms of uh, how digital media and social media can be used. And really the most important part to think about and to focus on is that rankings, endorsements, and testimonials are fair game now. And that was a big piece holding a lot of advisors back, um, being reluctant to, to go astray of com compliance by having people comment on social media or endorse them on a, a platform like LinkedIn, like LinkedIn and simply opting out for those reasons. But with those now in play, not only do they not have to be quite so uh, concerned about that aspect, they can also be more engaging on social media, which is what it's really all about. Um, so, you know, we've worked with advisors that uh, from startup or just a couple of hundred uh, million under management up to 10 billion, and they all have the same kind of reluctance and, and fear around that compliance and how to navigate it, this is a good thing. These guardrails coming down is a good thing. Um, this is where the next generation of clients lives. It's how they get their information. Um, they're extremely used to it. You know, we understand that the bread and butter is, is clients are still um, retirees or close to retirees for a lot of advisors, but everybody sort of wants to move into the 45 to 55 year old demographic. And, you know, the, the younger set is not, not far behind in terms of uh, wealth generation. They all grew up on this. Um, so it's really important to get your brand out there to engage and be active and have a presence. So when these prospects are looking around on digital media, they can see what you're about. And that exercise is called social proofing. It's essentially ensuring that your digital presence reflects your brand and your strengths and that, and that you're maintaining that and not uh, letting the digital world speak for you, which is, is always uh, a danger and gets into um, you know, reputation management conflicts that, that nobody really wants to deal with. So Evan, this is a real sea change for, especially for advisors from uh, the older generation, my generation, we were used to being scrutinized so carefully, every word that you said uh, on social media, every word that you wrote uh, in an email had to be reviewed and, and, and scrutinized for compliance purposes before you could let anything out the door. Uh, this, right. this sounds very different. Yeah, I, absolutely. And, and again, it's, it's more suited to the times. So there's more freedom. You can have a dialogue on social media um, and you can manage that 
that digital presence. Um, it is a sea change. It will take work. It will take adjustment. Um, it's going to take a little time for compliance officers to sort of get their arms around. I mean, there are still some guardrails, but you know, they're way open. They're, they're really opened up. Um, but it means that you've got to pay a little bit more attention to what's going on in the digital space. Um, for instance, you know, websites, it's, it's easy to ig ignore the website or to, to let your website uh, lapse. And in the financial services space, we see websites that haven't been touched for, for 10 years. But when you're managing a digital presence, that's where all the social media and all that dialogue um, and all that awareness drives to now. It's, it becomes a, a very significant complement to the handshake referrals and the in-person meetings. That digital presence is just, it's something that has to be kept up now. Um, and in addition, content becomes much more of a focus. You need to be thinking about where you're getting your content, what type of content uh, is going to be most relevant to your audience and your brand and really speaks to your brand so that you can really fill those digital channels with that content. And that's a huge opportunity in the sustainable investing space in particular, because those who are interested and engaged in sustainable investing on the, on the investor side, on the client side, really, really active on social media. There's a lot of dialogue that goes on there, huge opportunity to participate in that and let your expertise shine in those channels. Yes, absolutely. Um, now let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, Longview Strategies having recently launched a marketing guide that will support advisors in making ESG part of their brand. Kevin, can you give us the key takeaways uh, and we'll, we can include a link to that marketing guide uh, with this program once we mount it into the channel? Yeah, of course, that sounds great. And this, this guide was really put together in response to a lot of questions we were getting about simply where to start. Um, more and more advisors that we're talking to, again, all across the spectrum of assets under management are incorporating ESG, integrating ESG into their investment process and really don't, aren't sure about how to start talking about it. So we, we put together this guide as just sort of a starter kit. Um, and you, the key takeaways would be three basic points. Simplify the process. Think about why you're integrating ESG. And then again, back to that content, being able to produce content that sort of tells this story. And I'll just I'll dig in a, just a little bit on those three points. Mm -hmm. um, simplifying the process is sort of the same as the investment process. Uh, some advisors like the investment process to be opaque, but for the most part, especially when dealing with a generation of clients that's, that's really interested in, uh, in understanding what it is they're, they're getting involved in and where their investments are going, um, advisors want to be able to understand how they invest, what their process looks like, boil it down so that their clients know what they're getting essentially at, at a high level. And they should be able to do the same thing uh, and talk the same way about how ESG fits into that process. So simplify that process and be able to articulate it. That's, that's really the first key element. That's the how. The why is certainly just as important. Um, authenticity in sustainable investing is, is critical. I mean, you know, you know that, Paul, and, and you know how uh, there are a lot of questions and a lot of skepticism around the industry and around buyers and investors around, well, is this really ESG? What, what does this mean? So yes. being able to, yeah, and be, being able to talk about why 
you and your firm have decided to integrate ESG, it it creates a story and it creates a a way to relate with clients. It clarifies a lot of questions and it starts to really lay the foundation about how you communicate your ESG philosophy. And then we get to the content, that third piece. That's the heart of marketing. We talked about it in terms of digital awareness and social proofing. Um, You need to be able to generate content that helps tell your story. So maybe your your ESG process is specifically about due diligence and, and taking using the ESG lens as a risk management tool. Well, well that's okay. You can certainly create content about that. Um, or maybe ESG is a, a way for you to get more active in, in how you and your clients are investing in climate change, for example. There's certainly plenty to say about that. So using the, your, your website, and most advisors now have a, a blog, a place where they can publish regularly their, their own thoughts, um, website to talk about the philosophy and have a section that's dedicated to the why of ESG and perhaps the how of ESG, and a blog to publish thoughts uh, on, on that why and on the, uh, the, different, the different approaches that you're using and what's driving you. Those are great places to start. And then you can just, you can expand from there. There's so many different uh, types of content to develop, whether it's video or white papers, infographics, um, being able to work with all that, those different types of contents gives you a lot of latitude in how you can communicate with your audience. Evan, let's go back to the why for a few minutes here or a moment. As you said, it's very important for advisors to articulate why they recommend ESG strategies. I know some advisors who simply respond to client demand and they'll find a product to meet that particular client objective at the time. Why is telling their own story so important for marketing their practice? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And it's one of the issues that has uh, held sustainable back, sustainable investing back, I think, for a number of years, this uh, sort of fear or, or reluctance to really embrace it. Uh, a lot of advisors were concerned about losing the, uh, the older generation of clients because they'd be perceived or, or be, uh, be fitted with a, a stigma for talking about ESG or sustainable investing. Well, that's pretty much gone now. So the why becomes really important because it allows you to talk about uh, the engine that you're working on with ESG as the toolkit. Are you focused on creating impact? Are you focused on positive screening or negative screening? When you know the why, it helps inform which terms you use and how you talk about ESG. And it also informs uh, you and your audiences around what your approach is not. And as you know, Paul, this industry has been rife with acronyms that continue to change on an annual basis. And trying to keep up with sort of the word of the times has been a a difficult piece of the puzzle. So knowing really what you're not doing and what terms you shouldn't be using if you're not impact investing, if you're not really using ESG for, for socially responsible investing in, this, in the strict sense of the, the term, 
it's really important to be able to communicate it because that's where all the confusion comes from. So using the right terms can keep you out of some of those really dark rabbit holes where you say our SRI and a client says, oh, well, what are we cutting out of the portfolio? But that's not really what you meant. You, you didn't mean to go down the negative screening path. Um, so really being able to define that helps the conversation. And then it's about consistency. Uh, just like you said, the, the more you can stay with your relevant terms, the easier it will be to articulate the, the value of what you're doing and answer the questions that might be coming from clients. So I'm glad you brought up the vocabulary, Evan, because many advisors are still struggling with the vocabulary and presenting ESG strategies. I talk to advisors every day who are just befuddled by the the volume of acronyms that are used in this part of the industry. And of course, every advisor knows how important it is to be consistent with how you use financial terms. Mm -hmm. So for example, yeah. some advisors think of ESG as an asset class, but it's not. It's a data-based toolkit, as you mentioned, that can apply to any asset class that the advisor is discussing with a client. And this is just one example. So how can advisors provide consistency to clients and clarify the terms which best reflect their use of ESG? Yeah, I, I, in order to clarify the terms, we go back to that, that how and why again. Um, that's why it's, uh, it's part of the guide because it's so important. Um, one of the things we, we hope that advisors can do is know where their information is coming from when it comes to ESG. And we understand they, they may be using a, 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 an intermediary or they may not have access to all of the data necessarily. But if you do know what tools you're using and where your ESG information is coming from, that helps to clarify. If you know that you're looking at, at SASB information, for example, you know, SASB can help with, with sort of the language and the terms of where you're focused on and what's material to your investment process. If you are driven by the sustainable development goals, knowing how those sustainable development goals can be supported by ESG and, and using that lexicon uh, becomes very important. And then once again, consistency, consistency, consistency. Once you have this message, use it for a while. And it, it, of course, is living and breathing. So you want to revisit it every six months to a year and think about, is this resonating? Am I saying, um, am I saying what, I, what I truly uh, believe is driving this business and, and are my clients understanding it? then you can, you can start to reassess. But again, knowing where the information is coming from and knowing what you're trying to accomplish with, with ESG, with that tool, um, that, that really helps uh, to, to really hone in on the terminology that you wanna use. Yes, Evan, I, remember, I recall from the presentation you gave in the ESG Practice Playbook course that you recommend that uh, advisors review their marketing and branding plan on a quarterly basis. Is that correct? Um, yeah, we, we really look at things in terms of quarterly themes um, and so that you can make adjustments along the way. So if, if you have a marketing plan, and we'll take sustainable investing uh, for, for an example, if you're launching an ESG practice or you're just starting to integrate ESG, maybe the first quarter is about getting that material out there on the how and the why and creating the content 
And then the, the next quarter is about the issues that you're focused on. It's about climate change. So you're not trying to, uh, as they say, like boil the, the ocean or eat the elephant all at once. You want to break it down to, to make it, first of all, achievable, but also more measurable. Because if you're focused on one section at a time, then you can tell what's working, you can make adjustments, and you can continuously evolve your marketing pro program. I mean, marketing, no marketing program is successful in one month. Um, and anybody who tells you that is, is selling something, um, it, it takes, it takes time to build a brand, to build a presence, to get your message out there. And then the returns are incredible when you do it. Uh, it really, it elevates everything that you're, you're trying to accomplish. Um, but it, it, it is all about that message and consistency and being able to measure and adapt. So Evan, speaking of, um, updating and adapting, you have just relaunched the Longview Strategies website. Give our listeners that address, which we will attach also as a link to this podcast, and tell our subscribers how they can reach you directly with questions about the topics we've discussed in today's program. Sure, yeah, and thanks for mentioning the website where uh, we did just rebrand. We're excited about it. It's brought a lot of great energy, and we continue to build out a library of our content that can be helpful to our clients and, and the communities in, in which we work. So we, we hope people will check it out. Um, it is longviewstrategies.com, and people anyone can find me on LinkedIn, or if you do have a specific question about the, the subject matter, you can get me at ezal at longviewstrategies.com. Great. Well, thanks again, Evan Zoll, owner and president of Longview Strategies for joining us today. And to our listeners, please join us again next week for another episode. I'm Paul Ellis, your host for the Sustainable Finance Podcast.